Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. The Tennessee Volunteers are less than a week removed from going at Georgia, as uh, the Tennessee Volunteers did. Uh, some might say that they had the the Bulldogs in the ropes uh, for for a minute. Kirby was shaking. As someone who was up close and personal, saw it, saw the fear in the Georgia Bulldogs' eyes as they wound down that first quarter as uh, every other opponent of Josh Heupel's in 2021 felt where it's, uh, it's defeat. First quarter champions, raise the banner, do whatever we got to do, 10-3, to 3, it's all great, everything's gravy, things are good. Uh, Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider and Ethan Stone of the UTK Daily Beacon is here to revel in not misery, but instead we are going to celebrate becoming the team that scored the most amount of points on the Georgia Bulldogs in the 2021 season. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. As always, love to love to get back on it. It's been a, it's been a couple weeks, but. Yeah, another, uh, like you said, the Vols are the, the first quarter champions, and no one can take that away from them. I think the Ole Miss games, like the only game this year, they haven't played really well in the first quarter, so uh, they can get a little bit better in the second quarter going forward. Uh, Josh Cycle may just have something. He might. He might. Ethan Stone reporting live from Powell High School where he is making a personal pitch to Walter Nolan um, to flip from the Texas A&M Aggies as Taven Jackson, uh, the legend, the legendary Taven Jackson. Uh, very confused at that that uh, commitment to College Station. So there's still time, still time to flip there. But uh, Ethan, what's the scene like? What is your opening pitch to Walter? Yeah, my negotiation skills are a little rusty, but mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can for sure. You know, just sitting in front of this first Horizon Bank. He'll, he'll walk by at some point, I'm sure, and I'll uh, I'll grab him, but I think I have to echo Ryan's sentiment about us about Tennessee being probably the best first quarter team in the nation. I'd say I'd say if there was an AP Top Twenty Five for it, they'd be one or two at least. Hey, I'll take it. Based on what we thought this year was going to be, um, it looks like seven and five is what's what's in the cards. Like beating Kentucky, this beating Mizzou, beating some beating South Carolina, beating the teams that we we're like, oh, let's see what happens uh, in, in season, and it's enough to to go bowling and. Obviously, the offense has been fun, but it is kind of sad that we're kind of just having to do kind of the end-of-season review because the season, the last two weeks, ending with South Alabama this Saturday at home under the lights um, in the freezing cold, uh, and then the following week, 345, 330 against Vandy in the afternoon slot. So um, things are kind of – that's it. Like, uh, I was there for the Georgia game in person, and um, there was some tweets that were – pretty erroneous and i don't know if you guys saw this because we could get into that a little bit but um uh, the amount of georgia fans that were there there is uh some mixed messaging on that front and uh it kind of i i I had to go and defend tennessee country on that and explain some stuff because georgia fans were in the mentions were in my mentions tweeting me about stuff and then there was a reporter who tweeted out a video of the fourth quarter early on with the the light show and everything and like oh bulldogs travel and it's like well, Tennessee mostly wore black, and there were a lot of fans that uh, wore black, and they were also pushing at the halftime to uh, join in on the UT Vol app and uh, shine your phone. Uh, they were saying, go do that. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, shine your phone and get on the whatever they call that app. So it was all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, that stunk, and I did not enjoy 
uh, ending my Saturday night uh, arguing online and having a great time with people who thought that Georgia had just packed Neyland Stadium on Saturday, which was absolutely not the case. Um, is that a fair? Is that a fair assessment, Ryan? Yeah, no. I mean, I it was about the amount of Georgia. I mean, there were a lot of Georgia fans there, but they certainly didn't pack the place. But when you say it was about the same as Pitt, uh, it looked the same as Pitt to me. I would say there were more Georgia fans sprinkled in the lower bowl. Okay. Um, I would say the Georgia sections, you know, in the upper deck and in the lower bowl were about the same as Pitt, but I would say they had a few more fans sprinkled in the lower bowl. And then I, I thought it was pretty similar to what it was in, in 2019, the last time Georgia came to Knoxville. Well, definitely a lot of Georgia fans, but, you know, definitely wasn't like uh, Tennessee didn't have a major home field advantage or anything like that. And I'm sure some pictures in the fourth quarter were, were probably pretty, were probably pretty bad because most Tennessee fans uh, were out of there pretty early in fourth quarter. Yeah, it got cold, and after the Hindenhooker fumble is when it happened because they were showing stuff. It's like all the students. It was homecoming weekend. They were looking for a reason to get out of there, um, but that was the first big group in the first situation to dip, and then people all kind of filed out after the Hindenhooker fumble late in the game. But um, as someone who was there all day and around, there were not 30,000 Georgia fans in Neyland on Saturday. That is not a reality. That's not, not what it was. Uh, uh, unless they randomly appeared, unless there was some, some Harry Potter wizardry, there were not 30,000 Georgia fans in Neyland. What do you think, Ethan? Yeah, I'd say about the hooker fumble, you're about right. In the start of the fourth quarter, even, is when Georgia fans started to outnumber Tennessee fans. It was kind of a sad sight to see just at that, but but at kickoff, I'd say it's, it's just like every other game against Georgia. There's obviously a lot of dogs fans in Knoxville, and you know Athens isn't too far away. It's not that long of a drive, at least, especially you know for the number one team in the country playing against you know kind of a, a rival, I guess you could say in the past twenty years. So, so I, I kind of a rival. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, they're a rival. Yeah, Georgia's. Let's be honest. Georgia's kind of had Tennessee's number. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Ryan, we'll just be going to you for the remainder much of this podcast. Than, much less than Florida and Alabama had Tennessee's number, uh, yes. I will say. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's like, if we're doing that, Florida has a better case than Georgia to this point, I think, too. Yeah. Um, okay. I, can, I can yield to that. I can yield to that. Either way, I just can't wait for the pod situation and to remove those three from always being on our calendar. That's going to be great. It's going to be a delight. Yeah, it is, and that's kind of why uh, you know everyone was upset about teams joining SEC, and you know I get it. I, I like it being regionalized, but the expansion seems inevitable, and uh, I think there were certainly a lot of positives that came with uh, two good teams, or at least one good team, and, and Texas joining the SEC, and that I, I think is a big one. I think Tennessee's schedule has a chance to probably be pretty, pretty similar year in and year out, and. You know, one thing I think kind of downside to baseball and basketball, harder to win the SEC championship with two more teams. And obviously it is statistically now in football. But at this point, the days of winning SEC going 10-2 and two, or like Tennessee did in 85 when I think they tied two games and lost a game, those days are over. If you're going to win the SEC, you got to be a national title contender. So I don't think it's really much of a, a loss in, in too many ways besides kind of losing the regionalism in, it, in football for Tennessee. And this gets to the most exciting part of the Hypo experience to this point, right, Ethan, where we're like, now we turn our attention to early signing period and what Hypo does with a full offseason with the portal 
and what he does to uh, get this recruiting number up. Um, at, obviously, Addison Nichols was there on Saturday. I think he took some pictures with Peyton. David Jackson was there. Um, those guys are locked in, Cam Miller, but um, obviously Walter Nolan flips everything if they were able to uh, get back in, in the game there. They're in on a, uh, a, a high, uh, high, highly rated corner whose name escapes me, a Juco corner. That um, do, you, do you know who I'm talking about off the top of my head? I was reading that the other day. And I forgot his name. Um, I know who you were referring to, but I, I also did not know his name. Um, well, we'll know it yeah, soon I'm enough. Be- but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, Ethan, what are you most looking forward to out of Hypo over the next few weeks on the recruiting trail? Is there anyone in particular that you're looking at? What are, what are you thinking? I mean, it's, it's obviously pretty important to – to focus on Nolan a little bit, but that ship might have sailed at this point, to be totally honest with you. I've You're there tonight. You have the power. I don't I know. know what else we need to tell you. I don't know how to spell this out, but you need to be doing If you love your university, if you love SportsSource and you want SportsSource to be a happy show, Ethan, it's time for you to step up for the good folks of Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm not sure I can be an ambassador for the University of Tennessee, but mm. I'll try my best. I, I'll do it. I, I don't do care. I I'll go over there. I I talked to Walter. I was like, hey, let's. What do we What do we got to do here? I have no. Uh, I I'm a public figure, journalist. Sure, public figure wanting Tennessee to be better. Great, done. How, how do I get you in contact with Matthew Butler? Let's bring. Let's do this all together. We'll go to Gus's. We'll hash this out. What are you looking for here? Jimbo might go to LSU. Are you sure you really want to do that? He might not even be long for College Station. What do you? Josh Heupel's long for this area. Rodney Gardner's not going anywhere. What are you doing? See, I'm already doing this. I hope you're writing this down. I hope you're writing this down tonight, Ethan. I'm, I'm taking a mental note. I'll venture down after the third quarter and. And make a pitch to him while he's walking in the field. I think that'll that'll be the most you can get from me. There you go. Okay, um, Ryan. Is there anyone but, in particular? I mean, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say. Otherwise, like, not too many names have really come up on my radar. Obviously, it's important. And you know, just one thing I'll say is, for the people that kind of knock Heupel's ability to recruit, you also got to think like this is the University of Central Florida versus like a top. 10 program in college football history you know i mean we can we can talk that all we want but but tennessee is definitely a bigger name than central florida is so i expect more from either it's just me personally mm. do you agree ryan yeah i mean i would say i expect more i think the head coach of tennessee can recruit better than what hypo's reputation is and i guess what hypo has done to this point uh, i you know i think it's still a question mark how well he re- will recruit but there does seem to you know, be some positive developments uh, on that front. It seems like Tennessee's training for Joshua Josephs, uh, kind of a, a fringe three-star, four-star um, defensive end down in Georgia, and then Justin Williams, another uh, running back out of Georgia, decommitted from West Virginia, has been at Tennessee a few times this fall. So there does seem to be some guys, uh, you know, I guess they just have, I think, three four-stars right now. There seems to be a few other guys that are at least four-stars on a couple sites that uh, – Tennessee is turning in the right direction for it, and kind of like you said at the beginning, Chase, uh, the Walter Nolan commitment, I think, kind of tips the perception of this class uh, completely, especially if you if Heifel can uh, close strong, which it does seem like he's doing pretty well right now. And it's like, I just, I don't freak out about that as much right now because I think he's going to clean up in the portal. I think that is something where unhappy offensive dudes, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, you name it, like, I do think 
what we've seen from this offense that there are going to be some unhappy kids and uh, some Kentucky style offenses that are like I, I I was a four or five and I like even at Bama if I don't think I'm going to get opportunities at Bama why not transfer to Tennessee where I can immediately contribute and put up bonkers numbers in this offense. So I'm more curious about the the transfer portal than what he does on the high school recruiting trail in year year one. I'm more curious about that to replenish on that front and get us to also just get us enough uh, <laughs> scholarship players because we're under the number uh, as of this moment. So that will just be nice with added depth. Um yeah, well, let's move to the basketball season where Tennessee, as we alluded to, could win a national title this year. They're 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 very good. Kennedy Chandler is going to be an absolute delight. He's been a delight thus far. Uh, big game on Saturday at one o'clock against Villanova. Will uh, sets by Will and I were talking about him late last night and this game and why it should be close. Ryan, what are you what are you most excited about going into Saturday and how do you see it ultimately unfolding uh, against Villanova? Well, I, I think I'm most excited just the, the Colin Gillespie versus Kennedy Chandler. I mean, those two of the two of the best car, guards in the country, I think. And uh, two teams that, you know, Villanova maybe hasn't been quite as high-powered on offense so far this season, but still really, really good. Still going to be probably one of the ten best offenses in the country, if I had to guess. And, and Tennessee certainly has shown that potential, and Villanova has struggled on the defensive side of the ball. So it, it, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting college basketball game. And I think it's going to be a really competitive game, and it's just going to be interesting. Tennessee certainly relying on more guys that haven't played big-time college basketball in this game than Villanova has, and obviously this is kind of Tennessee's first true test of the season. So I'm interested to see how, obviously, Kennedy Chandler, Justin Powell, Olivier Camois, some of those guys that have played well for Tennessee this season, uh, they can just just at what level can they sustain it against a really good Villanova team and then another really good test the next day they're going to turn around and play Purdue or North Carolina so two of the tougher games they'll play in non-conference schedule back-to-back days which make for a really fun weekend of basketball absolutely absolutely uh Ethan what do you think yeah Tennessee and Villanova are really equal in a lot of ways I think one way Villanova especially has kind of faltered this season at least for three games is just defensively they've, they've allowed a lot of points in the paint um, I think Chandler, kind of to Ryan's point, Chandler could have a field day against against their uh, interior presence. He's just he's been known, I mean, through just a couple games to be one to drive, to be able to finish strong, and and you know I I don't expect anything to be different on that front. I think it'll be really interesting to see just the contrast between the two teams because you've got Villanova and Jay Wright, who has guys like Colin um, Colin Gillespie, got. Jermaine Samuel has got Justin Moore, all these like upperclassmen that have proven themselves at the college level versus, you know, Tennessee with Olivia Kamwa, who's just starting to come to form. And as I said earlier, Kennedy Chandler and then, you know, Justin Powell, he was out for most of last year for Auburn. So this is really his first, you know, big test, you know, moving, moving into Tennessee season. I mean, you could, the list goes on and on. You got the guys that you got Brandon Hatley Hatfield, who are both trying to, you know, make their names in, in the college basketball landscape as well. So it's it's just really interesting to, I guess, look forward to see how Barnes is going to be able to get those guys to play really concrete basketball. Yeah, and this is going to be a fun early test because I think both of these programs could uh, make the Final Four uh, this this upcoming season. But we we shall see. Um, all we can do at the moment is revel in uh, the early demise of Vanderbilt and Mizzou to this point. Um, I think we can all mutually agree that that's been a 
fun aspect to this early part of the season. Yeah, Ethan and I were, were texting last night, actually, do we think Kim English to Missouri feels, feels inevitable here. Oh, no. He here. just got there. He's 33. Why would you leave? I also would not leave George Mason for Mizzou right now. What? He's the Prov- prodigal son. What, what's that phrase? I'm pro- completely but- butchering it. But uh, The prodigal son, son returns home, right? Prodigal, that's what that is. The, there you go. That's the word I was Don't worry. For. School's killing all of us. Yeah. <laughs> It's my my brain is mush at this point. Oh, I don't, I don't. I, I was in Hodges super late the other night. I, I don't. I, I no. I, I know. I know. We're all of our brains are mush, and then but hey, on the plus side, we are very close, guys. We are very very close to this semester wrapping up. Merci- mercilessly, <laughs> uh, mercilessly close to it wrapping up. <laughs> Ryan's not gonna be able to get through this podcast. He's like down to seven words total um, until till the semester's <laughs> over. <laughs> let me let me jump so, in on, on the Kim English talk. Let me jump in on the Kim English mm-hmm. talk. I think English to Mizzou is pretty likely. Um, the whole discourse that he's gonna come back after after Rick Barnes leaves, I think, is very unlikely because between Mizzou and Maryland, which is like reportedly his dream job, they're going to be open soon. And, and you know, I, I know you just said that you think he should stay at George Mason, but if we're being honest, he's kind of already shown that, you know, he has what it takes to coach at the next level and, and he's going to want to move up, I feel like. And if the report... He's shown. He's coached four games. He's, he's going to be there. He's, he's coached four games. He's 4-0 with a win against the number 20 team in the country. Okay. I mean, I mean, like, obvious, obviously it's not over yet, but, uh-huh. but, you know, he's definitely trending in the right direction. For sure. Hey, go Kim English, but uh, let's just see. Let's just see what uh, what happens. I also just, George Mason's a good job. I just, I would not jump at that. I think he, if he's successful there, I think he'll have his pick. Like, do the the Porter Moser situation where you just wait it out a little bit and then you pick the, the best job possible. And OU, I think is a, it's a good job for him um, to sit on and wait. Like I just, I would wait, I would sit and see if a Louisville comes open or a Florida comes open or whatever. Like I'm not like, there's just, I just don't think Mizzou's a great job. And I understand the whole prodigal son aspect to that, but like, I don't know. I, I would not be all that enthused uh, based on what we've seen from Mizzou and where they're at as an athletic department at the moment that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm jumping at the opportunity for that. Um, I don't know. I would just be hesitant because then if it, it bombs, I, it's going to be harder to get another George Mason type job like his. Uh, there's going to be a, a just a blemish on his resume if he goes back home and, and fails. I don't know. It's a lot of pressure for a 33 year old to go back and uh, fix your, your your alma mater's basketball program. Yeah, no, I, there's definitely truth in that, and I don't think it'll be something that happens at the end of this season. You know, I think maybe two, three years down the road is more realistic. And uh, I do think I value Missouri as a little bit better job than you do. And you're kind of right about I will admit you're right about the some of the dysfunction in the Missouri athletic department. But still, I mean, if you can recruit at Missouri, Chicago not far away, St. Louis not far away, Kansas City not far away, a lot of good areas to go and recruit. And obviously, Missouri hasn't had a ton of success since they joined the SEC, but traditionally a pretty solid basketball program. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, did y'all expect, and we'll end here, um, did y'all notice that Candace Parker got the loudest reception of anyone who came back on Saturday? I could not tell. I, uh, that's the I, one I, bad I, part I, about I the press box. That. I'll never go in the press box. Yeah. Y'all are missing out, man. Like, I'm over there losing my mind. Like, I thought I was going to be a meme 
um, after the Tillman miss on the first play of the game because I like where our seats were at the the fifty. Like we kind of I like I had uh, it was a it was like an aisle seat. It was perfect. It was like the perfect seat for me. And like whenever things would go well or bad, I could move over and I could slide and not have to worry about smacking anyone. And uh, when he missed there on the second play of the game, like I like just uh part of me died and the salt like part of my soul left my body <laughs> similar to how i reacted when the the falcons didn't fall in the football against the cowboys last year um where i was where i just like lost all control of my body and uh just i, I can't explain it. it just it just overwhelmed me to an extent that i just i couldn't fathom and i uh i i just fell over and i was just i it, like instinctively it was not planned i just like fell over i'm just like oh god that was that was the shot that was that was the shot that i took by the way and uh just just over his fingertips but um yeah the reason i bring that up is uh the in per- like the the press box y'all are so pushed away like i'm in there and the good seats in there and just the raucous environment and um it was it was a delight it was a it was a delight it's always a delight i shouldn't say was it always is like it's so much more fun i don't know i i just i have a lot more fun in that department versus uh the the press box because i would get kicked out relatively quickly i would have uh gotten in trouble for just being like are we sure jordan davis is hurt what are we doing here it's the first quarter what are we doing is this starting in the first and then they would be like sir sir this is a wendy's and that's it and then i'm out this is a working press box (laughs) i agree yeah with with that description of what you said after gentlemen's i think i'd agree you'd be kicked out after about 14 seconds (laughs) is this what kirby's pulling this is what we're doing in the first quarter? Is this amateur hour? <laughs> we're going to let him get away with this? Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I think that's I don't think it would go well in the press box. I don't uh I don't think that kind of stuff flies. So, I have to I have to be able to be a homer in uh in peace, but yeah. All right. Well, the boys are back. We got South Alabama on Saturday. Uh final score predictions and we'll get out of here. I had 48 to 20. So right on the line, uh, I like the over is the best bet. Okay. Ethan, what about you? Right. You're, you're giving you're giving, giving South Alabama and their inter quarterback a lot of credit. I was I was thinking something around the lines of like 45 to like three, maybe 10. Mm. I'll say 45 to 10. I have 51 to seven. Okay. 51 to 7. That would Bold be nice. defense has not inspired a ton of success or a ton of confidence in me the last few weeks. They had a running quarterback for South Alabama. It's a backup quarterback. So if there's anything we know about Tennessee football, it's a backup quarterback to <laughs> run typically. Uh, typically don't uh, don't bear well. Shout out uh, to Matty Mock. Oh, man. That's a name. I have not heard that name in a long time. Matty Mock. Oh, my goodness. That is a, that is a blast from the past. Beginning of the end. <laughs> the beginning of the end. Uh, that's a whole end. The beginning of the end. Because uh, as I look outside and uh, into the abyss, because it's dark at uh, it's dark at this hour. So um, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, Ryan Schumpert, we can uh, read you at Rocky Top Insider. Ethan, we can read you at the UTK Daily Beacon, and you can find one of us, all of us, who knows, over the next few weeks in Hodges, uh, just over caffeinated and quite tired. That. Uh, that is always a good bet here at the University of Tennessee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to you guys soon.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.